0: Who was this kid? He just took out a giant with a slingshot and a smooth stone. Saul wanted to know, so he asked his most decorated general. But he didn't know. But he wanted to know. Maybe he could draft him. So Saul called for him. This kid looked a little taller since the first time these two met. Maybe he was. He certainly grew up in the eyes of the nation of Israel. David stood in front of King Saul and answered, I am David, the son of your servant Jesse from Bethlehem. Saul knew a winner when he saw one, and this red-headed giant slayer was a winner. He drafted David into his military and his family. Little did Saul know David still smelled of anointing oil because the prophet Samuel anointed him to take Saul's place as king one day, maybe sooner than later. Soon Saul and David were inseparable. When you saw Saul, you saw David. During one battle with those pesky Philistines, David cleaned house, and on their way back into town for the victory parade, Saul heard the women sing his favorite song. They seemed to sing it after every win, and Saul never tired of hearing it. He sang it along with them. Saul has slain his thousands. Saul knew that wasn't true. He couldn't do it without the army, but he sure liked the sound of the song. But the women added a second verse, a bonus track. David has slain his ten thousands. Saul nearly choked on his bullock burger. For years, he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else, braver than everybody else, stronger, smarter, more powerful than everybody else. Until today, today, this seemingly unknown shepherd boy with a slingshot is now more powerful and more popular than the larger-than-life King Saul. And that, for Saul, was a problem. Hey, good day to you, Simplified listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to Blessed Are the Broken on Simplify. Saul couldn't look at David the same. Saul played pin the spear on the shepherd twice. David ran for his life. He left everyone and everything behind and he ran. He hid in caves. He hid in houses. He stayed with family. He stayed with friends. But no matter where he stayed, King Saul knew about it and sent an army to bring him in or take him out. David was not safe in Israel anymore. He couldn't go to the police. They worked for King Saul. He couldn't even stay in his own house with his own wife because she was King Saul's daughter. And King Saul had already sent a delegation of bounty hunters or fugitive apprehenders to bring him back. He was a fugitive, a hunted man, a wanted man. As long as he lived within the borders of Israel, there would always be just one step between him and death. So David fled to one place he thought he would be safe. He left the country and he moved to Gath. David remembered Gath. Gath was familiar. He had seen Gath somewhere, and he remembered where. Gath was on the license plate of that high rise chariot Goliath used to drive. Goliath, the Philistine champion, giant of a man. David killed when he was a teenager. Goliath came from Gath. And yet David decided it would be safer there than it is here. One ordinary day in Gath there was a knock at the door of the palace. King Achish's servant went to those large double doors to open them up, and there stood Israel's decorated general and war hero, King Saul's sidekick, David. King Achish doesn't know why David is there. David may have the palace surrounded with thousands of Israelite archers with their arrows trained on the castle, just waiting for his signal. Now King Achish is eye to eye with the man who killed their war hero just a few years ago, and the whispers start up. Hey, isn't that the guy they sing about? Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Isn't this David that David? What is he doing here? Are we at war? Are we done for? David sees and hears the reaction. He knows enough about war to know this is not a good idea. If he marches in like a five-star general, he may not march out. So David does the unthinkable. He pretends to be insane. Claws at the door of the palace like an animal, drools all over his beard and down his robe like a madman. And everybody inside the palace wonders what's going on inside his mind. It's David's only play. King Achish asked the question, Must you bring me a madman? Come on, guys, we have enough of them already around here. Why should I let somebody like this, somebody this messed up, somebody this broken, be a guest in my royal house? Surprisingly, King Achish didn't kill him. He kicked him out. And First Samuel 22 verse 1 opens up with, so David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Somewhere between the palace and Gath where David scratched and clawed and drooled and the cave of Adullam where David found himself all by himself, David wrote Psalm 34, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saves those who are of a crushed spirit. It was not supposed to turn out this way. David was supposed to go from shepherd boy to giant slayer, to war hero, to war general, to king. And so far he had gone from shepherd boy to giant slayer, to war hero, to war general, and now he's far from king. In fact, he's far from King Saul. He's far from Israel. He's far from everyone. He was supposed to sit on a throne where tuxedoed servants would deliver every wish and dish, but now he sits in a deep, dark, damp cave in a dulem, all alone, with nobody and nothing. He has been anointed king by the man of God at the very direction of God, and yet he sits alone wondering where his next meal will come from, and how long until King Saul's bloodhounds pick up his scent and drag him back to Saul as a prisoner of a war he never wanted to fight. But somewhere David picked up some papyrus and a pen, and he penned the thirty fourth psalm that still lives in our Bible that starts with these faith-filled words, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When the Lord gives me strength to fight off the lions and the bears to keep my sheep safe, I will bless the Lord. When I feel anointing oil run from my head to the floor, I will bless the Lord. When I run onto the battlefield and fell a giant everyone else is scared to face, I will bless the Lord. And when they carry me on their shoulders and sing my praises, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. All of us can nod and amen, David, and even sing the same song he sang, because David has every right and every reason to bless the Lord in those times. But it takes a cave full of faith to claw at King Achish's door and drool down his beard in the presence of the king of Gath and feign to be insane. And then find himself all by himself in a cave hiding from Saul's soldiers and still lift his voice toward heaven and say, He has done me no wrong. And so I will bless the Lord. When it all goes right, I will bless the Lord. And when it all goes wrong, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord Lord at all times. David understood God is good even when life is not. And God does not just bless those who have it all together. Don't listen to the TV and the radio preachers who tell you if you get it all together, God will bless you and God blesses those who have it all together. Take it from a guy who thought he'd be a lot further in life by then. Take it from a guy hiding in a deep cave who had nothing but an even deeper relationship with God. God blesses those who are broken. The Lord is near to the broken. And here's why because the Lord is the only one with the patience and the power to put the broken back together. Maybe you're like David. Maybe you thought you'd be a lot further along in life by now. Maybe you thought your marriage would be a lot further along. Maybe you thought your company, your career, would be a lot further along. Maybe you thought the ministry into which God called you would be a lot further along by now. But now, much like David, you find yourself sitting in in a studio apartment, all by yourself, seemingly with nothing, seemingly with nobody. Life is broken. Your marriage is broken. Your finances are broken. Company, career is broken, bankrupt. Ministry is broken, possibly because the invitations stopped coming or you stopped going. However, you ended up there. The good news is the Lord is near to the broken. Your brokenness, your hurt, your heartbreak Have not repelled God from you. They actually attract God to you because the Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart and saves those who are crushed in spirit. What is broken in your life that you need God to put back together? And we're talking deeper than dishwashers. If your health is broken, the Lord is the healer. If your marriage is broken, the Lord still mends broken marriages. If your finances are broken, he is the provider. If the ministry into which he called you was broken, he's the one who called you, and he's the one who can put it back together. He is able to help and heal whatever you need him to. You don't have to have the pieces together before you come to God. In fact, we'll never have the pieces together. Just trust God and allow him to come close to you. David wrote it because he knew it. We read it. Now we know it. Blessed are the broken. I want to pray with you today. I hope everything is put together in your life and everything is perfect. But if it's not, I want to pray the Lord would be near to you and he would bind up the broken and he would bring together that which is broken because only he can do that. Lord, today I pray for everyone listening to this episode. I pray, Jesus, you would be near to them You would fulfill those words David wrote in Psalm 34. The Lord is near to those who are broken. I pray today, Jesus, minister to your people. Minister to those whose health or marriages or finances or ministry, career, whatever it is, family, is broken. I ask you, Lord, to mend them, bring them back together. Minister to them today, Jesus. May we look to you. May may we never run from you, but look to you. Thank you for the patience and the power you have to put us all back together. I call on you today, and I ask you to be near to us. We give you praise and glory and thanks and honor in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Simplified listeners. I hope this episode has blessed you, and I pray the Lord would minister to you. If it has blessed you, please share it with somebody else. And if you're not a subscriber, go ahead and click on that subscribe button, notify, follow, like, share. That way you'll never miss an episode and neither will your friends. And you can bless them by sharing Simplify with them. Also, I've got some resources I would love for you to pick up, and you can get all those at PentecostalPublishing.com. Just go there, use promo code SIMPLIFY to save 10% off your entire order. I have three books on there. One's called SIMPLIFY, the devotional that launched the podcast. The next one is called 10 Words. It's a practical look at the Ten Commandments, and I believe it's on sale this week. And Blessed Are, a practical look at the Beatitudes. You can pick each one of those up at pentecostalpublishing.com. Again, use promo code SIMPLIFY and save 10% off your entire order the first time you use that promo code. Next week is the week right before the United States celebrates Halloween. And I want to share with you an episode right along with our story called The Witch of Endor. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through SIMPLIFY.